Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast about women's sports news and the big stories. Every episode, we'll cover what's happened over the weekend, a favourite story, and what to watch in the coming week. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens and an AFLW player. I'm joined by my co-host, Millie Dawson. Millie is an athlete manager who works with some of Australia's top female athletes. Hello, Millicent. You're sounding a little bit croaky this evening. <laughs> Hello, Chloe. Yes, I did have my one of my best friend's weddings yesterday, so I'm a little bit croaky today, so don't mind uh, my voice <laughs> today. Um, how was your weekend? You returned to play this weekend. You played in Queensland. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, so I travelled up to Bond University to play in the final round of the Aon Uni 7 Series. Uh, it was my comeback tournament about 13 weeks after back surgery, so it was really exciting. I was nervous. I was very nervous to play, but it was so cool. I got to play with UTS. Um, it was a lovely bunch of girls and just really nice to actually get tackled and make tackles and just stand up and be like, oh, my back's okay. We're yeah, good to go. Print. Yes, that's so exciting. Stoked. Coming up on today's episode, we'll be joined by Australian sailor and Olympic silver medalist Nina Curtis, who has recently been selected to join the Australian Sail GP team for the duration of season two of the Global League. But first, let's take a look around the grounds. In basketball, the WNBL took a huge step towards professionalism last week, announcing an increase in the salary cap for each organization to $420,000. The announcement means the minimum payment will be $13,500 per player for the upcoming season, and it will rise to $15K in the 2022-23 season. The total player payment allows for players to earn additional income through player appearances, scholarships, and educational payments. A luxury tax for clubs who spend over the TPP will also be established, as well as a marquee player allowance to keep domestic talent. I think this one is a great introduction because obviously it's increasing the minimum player payment and it's equal across the league. But I guess there are then potentially some concerns about limiting the amount of money that clubs can actually pay the players. Um, Being women's sport, we obviously want to allow the players to be paid as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Still on basketball, the GOAT, Lauren Jackson, has been inducted into the Nysmith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, considered one of the greatest honours in basketball. Lauren could not be more deserving of this induction. Seven-time WNBA All-Star, three-time WNBA Most Valuable Player, two-time WNBA championship winner. And then back in the WNBL, she's a five-time All-Star, four-time MVP, four-time grand final MVP. And with the Australian national team, the Opals, she is a three-time Olympic silver medalist. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm First of all, I'm proud you just got all of those out. <laughs> but what an incredible list of achievements. Amazing. Congrats, no Lauren. She's the GOAT. The GOAT. In swimming, the pool was on fire, if that is physically possible, (laughs) at the Sydney Open this week. 19-year-old Kaylee McKeown broke her own Commonwealth and Australian records in the 200-metre backstroke, stopping the clock at 2.04.31 on Friday. In an excellent sign leading into Tokyo, that is the fastest time in the event in the past 18 months. Kaylee followed up her 200-metre swim with a scorching 100-metre backstroke time setting the second fastest women's 100-metre backstroke ever to narrowly miss her American rival Regan Smith's world record. And Emma McKeon has defeated her rival Kate Campbell in the 100-metre freestyle and in 
The process clocked the quickest time this year when she hit the wall at 52.29 seconds. McKeon is working hard in the gym and is relishing the opportunity to race against Campbell, saying after the race that her work in the gym has been a huge contributor to her performance. The swimmers all have their eyes firmly focused on the Olympic swimming trials, which will be held in Adelaide from the 12th to the 17th of June. In AFLW, the AFL Commission met last week and confirmed that by the end of 2023, all 18 AFL clubs will have a women's team. The season structure was also changed. Season six will now start in December 2021. So that's at the end of this year. I better get back quickly. Uh, The grand (laughs) final will be staged in March 2022 and provide the AFLW with clear air and avoid clashes with the AFL men's competition. The expansion will require the four clubs without current AFLW teams, Essendon, Hawthorne, Port Adelaide and Sydney Swans, to submit proposals by July 9th as to why they should be included as early as Season 7, which is most likely to start at the end of 2022. A decision on when the four new clubs will be admitted uh, is going to be made by the AFL Commission in August. AFL CEO Gillian McLaughlin shared some pretty incredible numbers. We, uh, we love art numbers and stats here at TFAP. We love it. (laughs) (laughs) The NAB AFLW competition has built a new audience base for the code with some 4.5 million AFLW fans, 155,000 attendees, 6.1 million viewers, and an incredible 20% of supporters who are new or first-time AFL attendees. Yes. How good. Yeah, the girls. In diving, world champion cliff diver Rhiannon Ifland became the first person to dive from a moving hot air balloon, because that's safe, <laughs> completing the amazing jump into the low stock dam last week. I watched this video and it blows my mind. I actually need to all, see to this. Be honest, all of her videos of her jumping off ridiculous height makes my stomach go. How a little high bit. was the hot air balloon? High, <laughs> <laughs> as they normally are. <laughs> In netball, the New South Wales Swifts and Vixens match on Sunday was as physical as it gets. The Swifts were victorious, 55-43 to over the Vixens, who are struggling to fill the hole left by the retirements of star goalers Caitlin Thwaites and Tegan Phillip. New South Wales coach Bryony Akel thanked the 6,000 fans who turned up to see the Swifts play their first home match in over 600 days. In rugby league, the New South Wales Rugby League reintroduced the city versus country concept this season and the women's match was played on the weekend at Bankwest Stadium. City were too good for the country team, with Jess Sergis scoring a hat-trick in the 40-16 win. Sergis and Maddie Studden were the standouts for the City team, with Studden's game management helping City dominate possession throughout the whole game. And finally, in soccer, Sam Kerr and Chelsea were defeated by Barcelona on Sunday night in the Champions League final. Let's take a look at the key story. The Canberra Raiders coach, Ricky Stewart, received a deserved avalanche of criticism after saying that if he can't have tough conversations with my better players, I might as well coach netball. When I read this, it literally made my blood boil. I was shocked. I was so shocked. It's bad. The Australian netball community were united in their outrage with netball legend Liz Ellis speaking for us all when she said, Stop making netball a euphemism for not tough. If you are still doing that in 2021, you need to get out to a game to do some fact-checking. I really liked what New South Wales Swift star Sophie Garbin said about this comment. She said that there's 
about a million girls who play netball across the country. And these girls have to fight for a spot in eight teams where there's about 10 girls. So there's pretty limited spots. So it's a pretty tough spot sport to even get selected to play professionally. Um, she also said it's 2021 and these comments are still being said about women in general and there is no need for it. Stewart has since apologized for his comments and excused them as being off the cuff. He stated that I respect netball. I'm sorry if I've offended any girl or boy who plays netball. All sports are tough. I understand that. Tell you the part that made me the most angry, Millie. When he was kind of doing his half apology, he said that he'd been told one time, any publicity is good publicity as long as they're spelling your name right. I hope netball take it as good publicity for them. Oh, (laughs) my blood is boiling. You're making me mad, Ricky. Be better. Now it's time for the presser. Australian sailor Nina Curtis has been selected as the only female to represent the Australian Sail GP team for season two of the Global League. We've got Nina on the line with us now. Nina, congratulations on being selected for the Australian team for the Sail GP. Firstly, can you tell us a little bit about how you first got into sailing? Yeah, I've been, I was lucky, My both my parents are sailors and they both each had a a parent that sailed. So it kind of runs in the blood. I was on boats from a really young age and kind of went through all the dinghies and then started taking it quite seriously when I was 15. I started match racing and that kind of led me into the Olympic Games. You've, um, yeah, as you mentioned, you've already had an incredible career so far, including a silver medal at the 2020, uh, 2012, sorry, Olympic Games. Um, what was your experience like in London? Yeah, it was awesome. I and I feel so much for the, you know, athletes working towards Tokyo, yourself included. I just can't even imagine, you know, with the year delay and then mm-hmm. all of the drama around it. We were so lucky in London. It was um they put on such an amazing event and we were pretty focused and our event goes for ages. We went nearly for the full duration of the Olympics. So we didn't get to Oh wow to see uh, many other events and nor the opening ceremony or uh, we missed a lot of things but um it was just the most incredible experience and lining up against everyone when they're at their peak is just an extraordinary experience as an athlete it was unreal for the listeners who don't know a lot about competitive sailing can you explain a little bit about the different types yeah yeah of course it is probably one of the most complicated sports there's so many different (laughs) parts of it um there's, I would say there's nearly like three um, kind of main disciplines of sailing and one's um, the Olympic kind of uh, pathway where it's mostly done in dinghies or small yachts and you're running through that Olympic cycle. We've got World Cup and it kind of operates like most other sports in that sense. There's also ocean racing, um, which is, you know, longer durations, You usually racing from, from port to port and the pinnacle of that is it's called the ocean race, but when I got to compete in it, it was called the Volvo ocean race. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the other pathway is, um, in my mind, the other pinnacle is the America's Cup, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, a very historic uh, yacht race where um, the defending country um, picks someone to challenge them to win the America's Cup trophy off them. And it involves um, a lot of rule creating and um, it, it's kind of evolved now into, I would say, probably the most high-performance type of sailing. So there's a lot of money behind these teams and they're creating boats that are, 
you know, they're like spaceships, they're super mm-hmm. robotic and and they're going, they're foiling now and going faster than ever. So this sale GP that I've just got selected in is kind of a, a break off for the America's Cup. And so they're sailing in the same kind of boats with that super high level of technology. Um, but the really cool thing about Sail GP is that they're information sharing. So all the teams have the exact same boats and have access to everyone else's data. And oh. so ideally, the team should be exactly the same. It comes down to the athletes making the right decisions at the right time. So it's really cool. Sailing's really cool, but it's quite complicated. That's really fascinating. <laughs> we were just watching some um, YouTube videos. They go; Those boats go fast. They really do. <laughs> yeah. It's like learning to walk again. These boats, uh, when I went to Bermuda, I got to sail on board the boats and they're going at 95 kilometres an hour on these foils. And you just, yeah, you feel like you're flying. It's incredible. But it's it's just like you're learning to walk again. You're learning like a completely different sport all over again. It seems to be the trend of my sailing career, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is that what made up part of your decision to try a hand at the Sail GP? Did you want to just kind of challenge yourself and, and do something new? Absolutely. And, you know, I mentioned the America's Cup and I, I came out of the Olympics and that's what I actually really wanted to do. And it didn't matter how many emails or prospects I sent out and how much campaigning I did. It is just so male dominated. They mm. don't even they don't even think of you as an athlete. You're it's just you're kind of completely wiped before it started. So guys that I grew up sailing with got to slip into these pathways um, going al- along the lines of the America's Cup. And have just, you know, become the most incredible sailors because they have access to all of this technology and they've done so much training. And so when this opportunity popped up, it's just, it's kind of what I've been chasing the whole time. And so it's a dream come true. Yeah. So from what I understand, you're the only female in the Australian team. What does that opportunity mean for you and obviously the broader sailing community? You know, I feel like a lot of, maybe pressure is not the right word, but I feel um, responsible to do a really good job of this because I want, you know, the young sailors who are 10 and 12 now and aspiring to be professional sailors for them to think that that's a reality. And if, you know, I feel it's really important for me to do a good job so we can change the perspective of, of females in sailing. It's not, it's a sport where size and weight shouldn't play into it. And it, and so you don't have to, you shouldn't have to be 90 kilos and, and stacked to be able to sail on these boats. If you're smart and intelligent, you have access to training and practice, you should be able to compete on a level playing field. And so, yeah, it just is everything. And I, I really hope I can, feel a lot of pressure, but I hope I can do a good <laughs> job because I want in 10 years' time for it to be there to either be a female circuit or, you know, female sailors are integrated into teams naturally because they should be. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. It's so tricky that element where you're given this opportunity to be the only female in that scenario, but it also comes with that added pressure. Like you feel like you almost have to prove it on behalf of all females that are competing. Yeah. But you know, that's, it's kind of good pressure. You can't, I don't want to get complacent and I know that I'm capable of, um, of performing really well on these boats. It's just I'm fighting for time on the boat and I'm, you know, you're kind of chasing the clock to catch up to the guys and um, it's possible, but yeah, I'm ready for a bit of hard work, I think. 
Um, you are you're currently in uh, finishing up in quarantine after the training camp in Bermuda that you mentioned. Can you tell us a bit about that experience and and now what your training has looked like since you've been locked in a hotel room with no fresh air? Oh, it's just a joy to be here. You know, <laughs> I've, got, I've got two days to go. I'm really close. Um, I, I feel really lucky. I had I had a lot to do. So the first thing, the first day I got in here, I wrote up a massive list of all the things I needed to do. I've got I've had a lot of research to do to kind of catch up on the boat's technology and watch a, a ton of racing and just try to upskill myself with this time that I've been given. I also run two businesses um, back at home, so I'm trying to work by remote as well. Give them a bit. Give them a bit of a plug while you're here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so me and my fiance, he's a, a sports therapist. We run a small little health and fitness studio in Avalon, where we live. Um, but we also have this awesome magnesium business. Um, it's really small at the moment, but we make magnesium products and they're all natural and I think that they're pretty awesome so that's called no nonsense magnesium what a plug <laughs> yeah and we love it Shani Williams my teammate is a, is a big supporter as well so I've, I've seen some of the products you guys make some um yeah some awesome quality things down there yeah we're super passionate about it um yeah but the other challenge in hotel quarantine as we said was has been training it's a really small space but it's actually forced me to get quite creative um I've got a ton of hotel workouts now written up for my little business and I can distribute them. If anyone needs them, they should hit me up. But I was lucky um, my fiancé, he dropped off a bunch of fitness equipment. So I've got a kettlebell and all the bands you could ever imagine and a few other bits and pieces. But it's just definitely not the same. It's really hard to find motivation, but I try to, you know, block it out into three smaller little workouts to kind of get me through the day. Getting there. <laughs> yeah, nice. So you're going to join the team for season two competing in the next leg in early June in Italy. Um, what does the training process look like in the lead up to um, that starting? Yeah, you know, this circuit is it's so unique because it travels around the world. It's designed to look like, um, you know, the Formula One of motor cars. That's kind of their vision for this event. But the challenge with that is the boats actually spend a lot of time in shipping containers going from location to location. And um, and then you throw COVID in on top of that. The actual amount of time that we get on the boats is quite small. I think you can, on a good event, you might get four four practice days before we start the racing. Wow! And um, it's a bit of a fight. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is, um, you know, trying to, you know, prioritize time on the water. You know, for the female sailors especially. Um, so that we can get upskilled, so we can catch up, so it's not just a big, you know, publicity stunt at the end of the day. So, and you know, these boats take so much time to, you know, wheel out of the shed. Everything's got to be craned in into position and and put down into the water and then packed all down at the end of the day. And so, on a good day, you might get, you know, two hours on the water to train, oh, and it's full pace once you get out there. But yeah, there's um, there's so much going on behind the scenes. Um, with these boats so I'll have to be I think a little bit creative um, figuring out how to you know get my skills set up really quickly considering how limited the time on the water is. Well we are backing you in Um, really exciting to see what you're doing in terms of representing females in your sport um, and the way that you're I love the way that you're just going out there and and finding a new challenge and and totally um, taking it on with both hands so Congratulations again on um, your selection for the team and can't wait to watch you 
shredding out there. You. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I love hearing about females doing awesome things in sports. So thank you. I'm very honored to be on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. That's really lovely. Let's take a look at what to watch. The Australian Gymnastics Championships on the Gold Coast is currently underway and will be taking place until the 26th of May. There is no stream of this event. Um, However, if you're on the Gold Coast, you should get down and um, take a look at the action. In Rugby Union, I'm heading over with my teammates to New Zealand, my first international trip in a very long time. How exciting. Uh, We're going to take on the Black Ferns next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I've got to work out whether it's streamed or not. Hopefully it will be. So we'll keep you updated. Just a little side note about New Zealand because I'm a big fan. Jacinda Ardern, their prime minister, has just been named by Fortune Mag as the world's greatest leader. So I'm like, yeah, the girls, yeah, New Zealand, except I'm obviously going for Aussie in this team, <laughs> but I'm just saying Jacinda Ardern, I'm a massive fan girl of her. Big fan. In netball, round four of the Suncorp Super Netball, we'll see two top four teams battle it out in Queensland next Sunday when the Sunshine Coast Lightning take on the New South Wales Swifts. Both teams have started the season two and one and will be looking for a win to cement their spot in the top four. You can watch live on Channel 9. In surfing, the Rip Curl Search event continues at Rottnest Island in Western Australia. You can watch it live on Fox, KO and via worldsurfleague.com. And that's the wrap. You did it, Mills. Well done. I did it. My voice wasn't too croaky. I I hope not. The wrap will drop every Tuesday morning wherever you get your podcasts to cover the big achievements, a favourite story and what to watch in the coming week. My interviews with top female athletes will be dropping every fortnight on a Thursday. You can find us on Instagram at The Female Athlete Project. See you next week, Chloe. See you then, Mills. You.